I'm Michael Pauley, and this is Faith and Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. Well, again, it is a beautiful fall day. I am here in the studio in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota, away from my normal base in Rapid City. Um, and as uh, as we record this uh, broadcast, uh, it's uh, late October and the election uh, is coming up uh, very soon. Uh, but I'm going to do something unorthodox today, and we're not going to talk about the 2022 election, but we're actually going to talk about something that may be uh, coming up for the 2024 election. And if you think I'm really jumping the gun, uh, you'll you'll think otherwise when you hear uh, how important this potential issue is uh, that we may be facing in 2024. So with that little teaser uh, to, to hook you, uh, I want to introduce my guest for this program, and that is uh, State Representative John Hansen. John, welcome. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. great to be with you. So uh, Representative Hansen is from Dell Rapids and represents uh, District 25 and is the uh, Speaker Pro Tem in the State House of Representatives. And, uh, you know, I know obviously a lot of our listeners who live in or near your district uh, probably already know your story, but we have a statewide audience. So just for folks who may not know you too well, just tell us a little bit about your background and then maybe also what inspired you to run for the State House of Representatives. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm John. I, I'm married to Sheila, my wife. We've been married for uh, quite a few years now. We've got five kids. Awesome. Um, they're all 11 and under. So it's a very busy house uh, awesome. at the Hanson House in Del Rapids, where we live. Great little community. We love our home. It's just awesome. So, you know, I got into politics. I suppose it goes way back to when I was just growing up as a kid. And uh, every morning when I'd wake up, my parents would have the news on. And um, so when I'd wake up, rather than watching cartoons or whatever, I'd always watch it happened to be Good Morning America. And so every morning I would wake up and watch Good Morning America. And I think something about that just sort of um, started something in motion, kind of got my interest peaked in current events. And of course, the news covers politics all the time. And so um, from there, you know, my uh, my interest in politics uh, really took hold about the same time as my conversion. I converted to Catholicism and uh, around the same time, I just started to sort of look a little bit more outward rather yeah. than a little more inward. Yeah. Um, what, I, what year did you come into the faith? Well, I was uh, late high school. Okay. Yeah. So it's okay. pretty young yeah. when I converted. And so about that time, you know, I just um, started to really seek the Lord's will in my life and ask the Lord, what do you want of me, God? You yeah. know, and that sort of um, caused me to look to our culture and our politics and really inspired me to, to action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that when I asked you the question, this is very telling that the first thing you said was that you're a husband and a father. And yeah. uh, okay, I'm going to insert an editorial comment that here's a politician who has his priorities straight, you know, <laughs> and the first thing he says is that I'm a husband and a father. And I, um, I you know, I'm married and have two uh, young girls. Uh, well, they're, they're actually not so young anymore, ages uh, nine and 12. And, and yeah, I mean, that is, I, I always keep that in the forefront of my mind that first and foremost, that is who I am. I am a husband and a Absolutely. father and everything else we do somehow 
uh, ties into that service to the Lord and service to the family. I mean, yeah. if, Amen to if, that, man. If, if you get those priorities straight, then uh, you can make a lot of other mistakes and uh, and be forgiven. You know, I was looking at your um, uh, some biographical information on you on the web, and it said that you are also a uh, avid musician. What? Yeah. Can you t- tell tell a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I love playing music. Uh, my whole family is pretty musical. Okay. And so I think it just comes from being around other musicians in the family. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I've done everything from, um, you know, sing a lot at mass and yeah, uh, do praise and worship and stuff like that to play in shows around the area okay. and, and um, restaurants and stuff like Gu- that. Guitar, so, piano? Yeah, guitar, piano, oh, oh, singing, a uh, little wow. bit of everything. Okay. Bass, cool. guitar. Harmonica, cool. the sky's the limit. Yeah. Oh, goodness, yeah. I mean, I, I play piano, but that's it. I'm a one-trick pony oh, when it man. comes to well, music. So. We can jam, we can jam. You take the piano, I'll do the guitar. All right, yeah. good deal, good deal. Well, um, I want to kind of segue into the topic that we have, uh, which, is a, which is a serious one. Um, you know, as a legislator, you've long been involved in efforts to pass uh, pro-life legislation in South Dakota. Uh, and we've got some really uh, terrific laws that are thanks to the Dobbs decision that came down on June 24th. Uh, praise God, South mm-hmm. Dakota is now a place where we actually have legal protection for preborn children. And uh, what a hard-won battle that took us nearly half a century um, you right. know, to get to this point. Uh, however, there is a risk that this all could be undone because of a proposed amendment to the South Dakota Constitution. So to kick us off here, give us sort of the 30,000-foot overview of this amendment. Who's behind it? What is it proposed to do? And when might South Dakotans uh, see this on a ballot? Yeah, so right now, um, pro-abortion groups in our state primarily being led by an organization called Dakotans for Health, which not to get down a rabbit hole, but just to make the point, you know, abortion, it's not medicine, it's not healthcare. You know, that's said a lot. And every time I hear it, it just kind of bothers me. Um, You know, medicine cures, it treats. Um, Abortion terminates the life of a whole separate, unique living human being. It actually, um, you know, the doctor is terminating the life of one of their patients in an abortion. So... Um, abortion is not healthcare. Nonetheless, this organization is called the Cotons for Health, and um, they're leading an effort to amend our state constitution to legalize abortion all the way up to the point of birth. Uh, but it's even, you know, it's even more radical than that because not only does it legalize abortion to the point of birth, it would also override all of our existing, like pro-life, common sense, bipartisan abortion regulations. So it, it truly is radical, and it's not an overstatement to say that everything that the pro-life movement has fought for to defend life over all these years is really on the line. If we lose this, we lose all those protections. Well, and I, and I recall you in an earlier conversation making the point that, that, to kind of underscore how extreme this is, is that if, if this amendment were to pass, then our situation would actually be worse than what we had in South Dakota before the Dobbs decision came yeah. down. So it, it's not it's not like just taking uh, things back to the way they were on June 23rd, uh, 2022, the day before Dobbs was handed down. It's it's actually making far more profound changes. Right. Than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not an overstatement to say that if this measure were to pass, it would be better 
if Roe were not overturned and we still had our laws that we had in place. Which sounds crazy, right? But, but that's that's the reality, right? You know, um, yeah. You know, even even simple things like prohibitions on taxpayer funding of abortions, yeah, things that we all agree to for the most part, right? Um, if this constitutional amendment were to pass. Uh, those things are out the window. You can't have those anymore. It overrides that. So those things that we were able to have in place under Roe versus Wade would yeah. be gone yeah. if this amendment becomes um, put into our constitution. Yeah. So this amendment first surfaced a um, couple of months ago. Um, we we uh, you know, first became aware of it uh, during the summer. Um, and the sponsors, uh, as is provided by the law, submitted their uh, proposal to the attorney general. And uh, under South Dakota statute, the attorney general is supposed to draft a title and a explanation for the ballot measure. And this is more than a bureaucratic exercise mm-hmm. because uh, the title and the descriptive language prepared by the attorney general is actually what goes into um, the the ballot, you know, that voters have in front of them. And so this language is critically important. Um, there was some controversy surrounding the attorney general's uh, first draft of this. Can you kind of share with our listeners the the gist of what happened there? The first explanation and title that were drafted by the attorney general really were insufficient for a couple of different reasons. Primarily because the, the first explanation said something to the effect of, uh, this is a this is a constitutional amendment to set a a regulatory framework for abortion. Yeah. So um, not only was it not descript, but that actually is the opposite of what this is really doing. Yeah. We have a regulatory framework yeah. for abortion in our state right now. This amendment would override most of that framework. Right. And so there were a couple more reasons why it was insufficient. Um, so a bunch of organizations submitted comments to the attorney general's office. And fortunately, the attorney general did amend his explanation. Yeah. So um, the, the way that the explanation is written today is better. Yeah. It's probably not how I would have written it. It's probably not how you would have written it. Yeah. But it's better than what it was, and we're grateful for that. And like you said, it is very important because that's what the voters are going to read yeah. on their ballot before they cast their vote. And so it's really critical that that— sets forth really what the what the amendment would do right and so um, fortunately the 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 work of the organizations who submitted those comments yeah it, you know they paid off to some extent and we got a better explanation a more fair explanation yeah and and one of those efforts was a, a joint letter signed by a whole number of legislators that I, I believe you organized that effort uh, correct yeah I helped yeah. to organize that yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so uh, so this is kind of a I guess you could say a little micro lesson in the, the fact that when we make a noise, sometimes it leads to good results. And so the, you know, the first title uh, that the attorney general had for this amendment was a constitutional amendment concerning the regulation of abortion, which if you didn't know anything else about it and somebody put a petition in front of you and said, you know, hey, here's a constitutional amendment concerning the regulation of abortion, somebody who's pro-life could sign that yeah, thing because hey, I, want I, I, I want to regulate right. abortion, you yeah. know? And so we, you know, so a, a whole bunch of legislators and uh, uh, pro-life organizations, as you said, did weigh in on this. And so the title was changed. And so now the title is a constitutional amendment 
that um, creates a, let's see, uh, I'm right. sorry, I was scrambling for my paperwork here. It, it's an initiated amendment establishing a right to abortion in the state constitution. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's a much uh, better title in terms of explaining to people what this actually does. And the explanatory language uh, also was a, was a, I would say a considerable improvement. And so, so that, that just was a, was a real, um, you know, I felt very strongly looking at that language that, um, you know, again, we, we don't know whether this thing will ultimately uh, be on the ballot, but, but if it is on the ballot, uh, this language alone, you know, could make the difference between victory and defeat, um, you know, in a, in a close battle. And so, so that was really rewarding mm-hmm. that we got a much better title and explanation. Um, so I want to just, uh, focus on, uh, you know, even though the title and the explanation from the attorney general is now much clearer, uh, that doesn't mean that we're out of the woods yet in terms of people describing this thing inaccurately, right? So Correct, you know, what, what, kind of misin- what kind of misinformation do you expect to be coming down the pike on this measure? <laughs> well, I, I recall um, one time I was sitting in Del Rapids at a restaurant called Papa's on Main Street. Great place. Sadly, there's no more Papa's. It's closed. I miss oh, it shoot. dearly. I love that place. <laughs> Maybe someday it'll come back. Um, but I was sitting at Papa's having lunch and I saw a guy out the window with clipboard and he's just walking by. I'm like, Oh, I bet you that's a petition circulator. (laughs) And so I finished up my lunch and I walked outside and sure enough, he was standing on the corner. So I went up to that guy, you know, me being curious about these sorts of things. Sure. I went up to him and I said, Hey, what do you have? And I kind of suspected I knew what he was circulating, but I just thought I'd ask him, you know, what do you got there? Yeah. And his response was, I'm trying to help the farmers and put hemp on the ballot. (laughs) Well, and I said, is that all this amendment does? And he says, well, it it deals with all of cannabis. It deals with all of cannabis. Well, what it really was, was the amendment a petition from a couple of years ago that legalized recreational marijuana. Oh my goodness. And I I heard that from um, all sorts of people. It wasn't just my own experience. Yeah. And it's not just on this this amendment either. Yeah. Um, but I heard it before, um, uh, not that long ago, actually, not that long after that experience, I had another person approach me and uh, he said, hey, I was down at the courthouse in Sioux Falls and I signed the hemp petition. I'm like, uh, no, you didn't, buddy. <laughs> that was the recreational marijuana petition. It's like, what? I had no idea. And uh, so that's what they do. I mean, uh, sadly... They're just not honest. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them I'm sure are fine. They're good. They're, you know, they're yeah. just, they just want to change the law, whatever. It's okay. That's the right to do so. Right. Um, but in my experience and in others' experience, what we know is that oftentimes these circulators aren't honest. And, yeah. you know, they only have a minute just to capture whoever's walking by them. Right. And so they'll say anything just to get their attention, to try to get their signature on their petition. And that's a problem. Yeah. And that's a problem for this too. Because uh, we cannot sit back and expect their petition circulators to tell the public about how radical this thing right, is. Right, right. Um, they, they won't tell people that this is going to legalize abortion all the yeah. way through nine months. They're not yeah. going to tell people that this is going to override our, our existing common sense bipartisan abortion regulations. Right. They're just, they're just not going to do it. Right. And uh, that's a big problem. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't even think that we can count on them necessarily to say that, oh, 
this is a, an amendment concerning abortion. They may cloak it in some kind of euphemism like the ones we've seen over the years that, uh, oh, this is an initiative to protect reproductive freedom, right. you know, yep. or this is an initiative that's uh, going to prevent government from interfering with uh, private health care decisions. You know, I mean, they, there's any number of ways that, um, that you can spin this thing, which is, you know, kind of getting back to the all important title of this thing. Uh, you know, if, if you're walking into a post office or a grocery store or other place and you see petition circulators, uh, you know, you, you need to look at the title, make them show you the title and the explanatory language. Yes. And if, if at the top you see the title, um, now I've misplaced it again, uh, a, a constitutional amendment establishing a right to abortion in the state constitution. If it says that at the top, then understand that this is an effort that's going to, you know, give South Dakota, um, you know, radical abortion laws that are far worse uh, than, than what we had before the Dobbs decision came down. So um, I want to talk about speaking of of spin and how the proponents of this thing are advertising it. If you go to the Dakotans for Health website, um, which I've done a number of times, and that again, as Representative Hansen said, is the sponsoring organization behind this effort. They describe this as an effort to codify Roe versus Wade in the state constitution. Is that what this amendment really does, or is something different going on here? Well, yeah, no, it's not. I mean, as we discussed earlier, yeah. you think about those um, existing regulations that we have put in place, you know, like um, so parental notifications, for instance, if yeah. a minor is going to go seek an abortion. Yeah. We have those laws in South Dakota. This would override that. Yeah. You know, we were able to have that law under Roe versus Wade. Right. We wouldn't be able to have it under this constitutional amendment. Right. We had informed consent laws. Um, we we do today. They're not being used because we don't have any abortions right. taking place, right. praise God, in South Dakota. But those informed consent laws came from what was happening at Planned Parenthoods in our state and all over the country. Planned Parenthood just wasn't fully informing mothers about the consequences of an abortion procedure. Yeah. Um, you know, they would say things like, we're just going to empty the uterine contents. Sure. Uh, you know, that's just a cluster of cells that we're, you know, disposing of yeah. when the reality is that abortion procedure is terminating the life of that mother's baby. It's terminating a, a whole separate, unique living human being. Right. And so the state of South Dakota passed some requirements to make sure that these abortionists were fully informing mothers. Um, we had those. And they prior. saved lives. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah. those laws have saved uh, countless lives. I yeah. mean, really, it's been uh, amazing. Um, we had those, even with Roe versus Wade. If this constitutional amendment were passed, it would override all those. We wouldn't be able to have those anymore. Yeah. So those sorts of things. Even, you know, like uh, a couple years ago, we passed a, a law in the state of South Dakota banning like Down syndrome abortion mm -hmm. bans. Before that, sex selection abortion yeah. bans. Can't have those. Yep. Those are all at the window. Those bills pass the legislature with bipartisan support. Yeah. You know, I don't know. There's, there's a single no vote on our yeah. Down syndrome abortion ban, but this constitutional amendment would override all of that. Wow. Wow. Well, let's, um, for our, uh, for those of you who are just joining us, uh, we're talking with uh, state representative, John Hansen, and we're talking about 
a proposed amendment uh, to add a right to abortion to the South Dakota state constitution. So what I want to do now is kind of maybe get into the weeds a little bit on this thing and actually walk through uh, the text of this amendment, because it's not that long. Uh, and it, it, the, the, the amendment does bear some superficial resemblance to Roe versus Wade in the sense that it talks about trimesters of, of pregnancy. And that, that was how the Roe v. Wade decision was structured, was it divided pregnancy up into trimesters. And interestingly enough, uh, the Supreme Court in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision threw out the trimester mm-hmm. framework as unworkable. So, so again, even the pro-abortion court in Planned Parenthood versus Casey said the trimester structure makes no sense at all. It does, right. it's unworkable. Nevertheless, this amendment um, Im- imposes that unworkable standard into the South Dakota state constitution. So maybe just kind of walk through the amendment for our listeners and, and tell them how it's structured. Sure. And by the way, you know, that uh, the Casey decision came down in the early 90s. Yeah. And so, as you indicated, part of Dakotans for Health attempt is to say this is just codifying Roe versus Wade. Yeah. But they're they're attempting even what they're purporting to codify hasn't been the law of the land for decades. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and like you said, the Supreme Court long ago said, "No, that's we're overthrowing that." I mean, that's, that, right. that's this, the trimester framework has been thrown out for decades <laughs> exactly. now. Exactly. Now they want to go back to it, but it's not just going back to it. It's it's far more radical than that. So yeah, to just to walk through it, um, this the the first paragraph. It's very short. The first paragraph, before the end of the first trimester, the state may not regulate a pregnant woman's abortion decision and its effectuation, which must be left to the judgment of the pregnant woman. And so um, right there, just in looking at this first trimester, um, there you can see where it says, the state may not regulate a pregnant woman's abortion decision and its effectuation. That, so that's what we're talking about when we say, all of these common sense regulations are out the window. Yeah, um, just completely gone. And as we know, like a, you know, most abortions take place in the first trimester. Yeah, and so any any common sense abortion regulation is gone under this. Well, and and I'm you know, granted, I suppose this is a point that lawyers will argue about uh, further down the line. Um, I'm not an attorney, but I have practiced public policy for better part of thirty years, and when I look at the phraseology the state may not regulate a pregnant woman's abortion decision and its effectuation. That's so broad that, you know, in other words, there's no exceptions. There's no asterisks there. There's no footnote that says, you know, except in the following circumstances, it's saying no regulation whatsoever. So when I look at this, I don't even think a statute that says that abortion would have to be performed by a licensed physician would be upheld as constitutional. Because if you say, oh, only a doctor can can perform an abortion, by my reading, that's regulating the effectuation of someone's decision. And the Constitution has just said, you can't do that. So, I mean, this I is, right. this, you know, the whole, I think about the old slogan of the pro-choice movement used to be, uh, uh, abortion is a matter between a woman and and her doctor. Well, apparently not anymore. You know, <laughs> right. maybe yeah. maybe we don't need medical professionals involved at all. But but well, anyway, let let yeah, let me have have you continue with the rest of it. Well, further evidence of that of exactly what you're saying is that the the second paragraph here is 
After the end of the first trimester and until the end of the second trimester, the state may regulate the pregnant woman's abortion decision and its effectuation only in ways that are reasonably related to the physical health of the pregnant woman. And so when you think about like regulations making sure that a doctor is performing yeah. the abortion, well, that to me relates to the physical health of the mother, the protection of the mother. You know, these are uh, risky procedures that, you know, um, it shouldn't just be left at home right. or, you know, without some doctor. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, they provide for that exception in this second paragraph. That means in the first paragraph, there cannot be that regulation, yeah. even to provide for the presence of a doctor wow. when, when performing an abortion. And, you know, you can only speculate as to why. Right. Yeah, maybe it has to do with the fact that they just want like telemedicine, internet abortions right. um, to occur outside of any doctor-patient relationship. Who knows? Right. But it right. truly is radical. Yeah. Well, um, I want to... Uh, there's a lot more about this amendment um, that I want to get to uh, with you, John, but uh, we are coming up. We just have a few minutes left in the uh, portion of our broadcast for our radio listening audience. And so be before we uh, reach our time limit there, uh, I want to give you a chance to talk about an effort that you have founded uh, to try to combat this amendment. Because even though um, this amendment uh, would not be on the ballot until 2024, um, the, the process for gathering signatures um, is starting you know, basically now. So, yeah. so tell us about what you've done uh, to try to push back on this. Yeah, so I, along with Leslie Unruh, who's a longtime uh, pro-life advocate in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, started what's called the Life Defense Fund. And so the Life Defense Fund is an organization that's really going to lead the effort, um, primarily just to inform the public. Yeah. Uh, you know, abortion up to birth, that's not who we are. Right. That's not us. And I truly believe that if the public knows that that's what that petition is, they won't support it. They won't sign it. But it's up to us just to let them know. Right. right. And so that's why we've created the Life Defense Fund. And so we're, you know, we're going to um, do all sorts of things to try to make sure that the citizens of the state of South Dakota know that this is radical. It's not who we are. And let's not even put it on the ballot. Yeah. Don't yeah. sign that petition because yeah. it's just that extreme. It's yeah. too extreme for the state of South Dakota. So Life Defense Fund is the organization. The website is lifedefensefund.com. Uh, you can sign up uh, to help volunteer, really just um, spread the message, make sure that our fellow citizens know that this is radical and that the petition should not be signed. Okay. And you said again that website is lifedefense.com. LifeDefenseFund.com. LifeDefenseFund.com. Okay. Yep. And does it, is that a website currently set up to take donations? Absolutely. Okay. So yep. people can contribute. And, uh, you know, uh, we don't typically, uh, you know, hawk uh, political causes uh, here on faith and politics, but, uh, you know, there have been these uh, ballot measure fights on abortion in other states. And what listeners need to realize is that the abortion industry is well healed. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a ton of money that they can pour into states like they recently did in the state of Kansas, uh, which had a huge battle over abortion. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, we have only pro-life citizens uh, to fight off uh, their, their misinformation. So, uh, so if, if please do check out that website. Um, and there's a place I believe where you can sign up to receive updates. Right. Yep. Sign okay. up, volunteer. If you would donate to the cause, 
Uh, that money is just going to go to to spread the word and to try to to stop this radical constitutional amendment. Awesome. Well, we're going to continue the conversation with Representative Hansen, but for our uh, radio listening audience, uh, that's all the time we have. Uh, until next time, live well. All right, and we're continuing on for our uh, the, the the chosen lucky few who subscribe to the podcast. You you get the unabridged uh, version. So um, you know because we were running short of time uh, for the radio portion of our uh, broadcast, I, I kind of cut you off in your description yeah, right. of the abortion amendment. So you know as we were talking about this is broken down on a trimester basis, and and you talked about what happens in the first trimester and the second trimester, but there's more folks. Mm. There's also a provision about what's allowed in the third trimester of pregnancy. So tell, tell us about that. Yeah. So the, the third paragraph, which is the regulation or the, 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 the portion of the amendment that would regulate the third trimester says that at the end of the se- the second trimester, at the end of the second trimester, the state may regulate or prohibit abortion except when abortion is necessary in the medical judgment of the woman's physician to preserve the life or health of the pregnant woman. And so having been around legislation and legislative language and constitutional language for a long time, the big problem with that is that there's no definition. And so, and that's intentional. Yeah. And it's intentional on their part. So when you think about the health of a pregnant woman, the health of a pregnant mother, um, you know, without definition, what does that mean? Yeah. Does it mean anxiety? Does it mean depression? It certainly could. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, your wife's been pregnant. My <laughs> wife's been pregnant. Yeah. And there's a lot of anxiety. And, and and this is not to minimize this. Anxiety and depression are real. That's huh? a real thing. Right. You know? Right. And I don't think we should minimize those things. Right. And so without... um Without proper definition, yeah, I think it just blows the door wide open, yeah. and I think that they're doing that very intentionally, yeah, um, to allow for abortion all the way to the point of birth, which is exactly what this would do. Yeah, and and there's uh, as you alluded to, there's a reason why uh, well-written statutes have uh, crystal clear definitions. Because in the absence of having clear definitions, you'll, you'll, you'll pardon this, I'm going to tell a lawyer joke, but if you uh, put 10 lawyers in a room and ask them to define what the term health means, you're going to come up with 11 different opinions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so this ends up being a thing where, uh, okay, so the people vote on it, but then what it actually means ends up getting decided by unelected people who wear black robes, yes. you know. Uh, Which at this point is particularly yeah. crazy considering, um, you know, the Roe, Roe versus Wade being overturned, the, the judges said that we're returning this authority to the people. Yeah. And their representatives. Yeah. Which is exactly where it should have been the whole time. I mean, Roe was obviously very yeah. wrongly decided. Um, there's no constitutional right yeah. to an abortion in our federal constitution. And, it, you know, this, this is a question. Yeah. Um, that was properly returned to the people. And yet, if we were to enact a constitutional amendment like this, it's just going to throw it over to more unelected judges to make these decisions for us right? rather than the people making the decision for the people. Right, um, right. It's a very bad idea. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, just one other thought on this language here that talks about third trimester abortions is that um, it, 
even though it doesn't actually give a meaning for the word health, if, if you read it in the broader context, it says um, the state may regulate or prohibit abortion except when abortion is necessary in the medical judgment of the woman's physician to preserve the life or health of the pregnant woman. And that really makes me think um, about the fact that if this were to become law, uh, become part of our Constitution, and, and, and it goes to court, uh, I think what we really need to fear is that a judge might say that it doesn't matter what anybody's definition of health is. The plain language of the amendment grants the physician the sole discretion to, discuss, to, to discern what health means. So what, what does health means? Uh, you know, the court could say, doesn't matter what we think it means. The, the clear language says that that judgment will be made by the woman's physician and no other person. Well, in this case, the woman's physician is an individual who is actually getting paid uh, to perform this procedure. Right. So uh, it, it's just really shocking that there's no, um, there's not even a, um, a veneer here of an attempt to kind of mm-hmm. provide some some precautions or, or sideboards. And so, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to put words into your mouth here, but effectively, you know, is it a fair reading of this amendment to say that if you can find a doctor willing to do it, this amendment guarantees legal abortion from the moment of conception to the moment of birth. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, as you indicated, and as we've seen over the decades since Planned Parenthood has been in business, their motive is a profit motive. Yeah. They're in the business of aborting babies. And so if you go, you know, you read that and you think, okay, well, just it's like a family doc or something like that. No, it's not. It's an abortionist. Who is, who is getting paid to perform an abortion. Yeah. And that's why they're there. That's what yeah. they're in the business of doing. And it's how they make their money. Right. And so if you ask that abortionist, hey, um, does, does this woman need an abortion because it's in the best interest of her health, let's just say. Right. Um, you better believe that that Planned Parenthood abortionist is going to say, yeah, let's yeah. do the abortion. Yeah. And that's exactly what will happen. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to ask a, a couple of questions that um, you know maybe can clear up some misunderstandings uh, that maybe some listeners might have about the political process. So, um, this uh, amendment uh, they they have to gather um, tens of thousands of signatures. Uh, can can you kind of share a little bit about the process of of getting an amendment like this on the ballot? Yeah. So they're at the point now where on November fifth. Uh, which is yeah. just a few short days from when we're recording this, um, they can start circulating their petitions. So they've gone through all the process from getting the language to the AG's office and the Legislative Research Council and all that to the point where now they've got the petition. They can start circulating on November 5th. Yeah, They've got one year to circulate their petition, and they're going to need just over probably 30,000 signatures. That amount is based on how many people vote in this upcoming gubernatorial race. And so we don't know exactly how many signatures they're going to need right now, but it's going to be approximately probably 33, maybe 35,000 yeah. signatures or something Cause like that. Because it's based on 10%, right, of the votes cast in the gubernatorial right. election. Yep, exactly okay. right. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of puts a, 
exclamation point on what I commented at the opening of our show today, which is why in the world are we talking about something that, you know, if it gets on the ballot at all, won't be decided until 2024. And the answer is, is because the issue is live right now. I mean, right. people are are going to be circulating these petitions. Uh, you know, by the time this broadcast is, is aired, they will have already uh, uh, collected a, a certain number of signatures. And so um, the process of educating people has to begin right now in late 2022 exactly, uh, for an right. amendment that we won't see until 2024. And I think that's a real question that pro-lifers need to ask ourselves, which is, what's our response? Yeah, We know that these circulators are going to be on our streets circulating these petitions. And so what are we going to do about it? Yeah, And I don't think our answer should be nothing. Yeah, Just sit around and let them do it. I think we really need to make a concerted effort to inform the citizens to make sure that they truly know this is crazy, this is radical, it's abortion up to birth, it's not who we are. Yeah. Don't sign that petition. Yeah. Well, I, I want to address one potential misconception that, that people may have. I, I, I suspect there may be some people listening to us today who are saying, but wait, this is South Dakota. We have a governor who proclaimed uh, that one of her goals was to be the, the most pro-life governor in the entire United States of America. And we have a legislature that uh, where we have solid pro-life majorities in the legislature. So uh, can't our pro-life governor and our pro-life legislature uh, just block this uh, uh, effort? Right. And the answer is no. And yeah. the reason why is because this is a constitutional amendment. So the people can change the Constitution, and that's the only way. Yeah, you can do that. You know, the legislature could refer a question to the people yeah. to vote on, right? And you can do it through petition circulation. But the reality is, only the people can amend the constitution. So even even as simply as like trying to go in and and define those terms in this constitutional amendment, say the legislature said, uh, okay, this this is an undefined health ex exception in this amendment. Yeah, and so we're going to go in as a legislature and purport to uh, to define what health means. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, what what we say has no bearing on what the constitution what the constitution says. Yeah. And so really if this is in our law, the legislature, the governor, there's nothing you can do about it. The yeah. only way to change it is to change the constitution. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh that's something that people need to bear in mind is that uh th th there really isn't uh, much in the way of a checks and balances here at all. The the people are the owners, if you will, of the state constitution. And if a majority of them uh, were to vote to, to place this into our constitution, God forbid, um, that's it. The governor can't um, undo that. The legislature can't directly undo that. As, as you mentioned, uh, the, the legislature can propose an amendment uh, to the voters, but uh, you know, assuming this passed in 2024, the earliest that that could happen would be for 2026. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so the, the reality is, is that we need to stop this thing um, from being approved in 2024. Right. Um, so uh, I, I wanna just, before we wrap things up here, just, just one more time, uh, the organization again is- Life Defense Fund. You can find out a lot more information at lifedefensefund.com. And now is the time. Yeah. Now is the time to organize, to volunteer, to donate. 
you know, if we wait till a year, a year and a half from now until the campaigns are really kicking up, it's too late. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, this is far too important just to sit by and do nothing. Yeah. So we really need to step up as a people, as a state, as a church. We need to step up and we need to act. Yeah. To make sure that this does not become a part of our South Dakota constitution. We're a pro-life people. We're a pro-life state. We need to keep it that way. Amen to that. Amen. Well, they have to gather uh, over uh, 30,000 signatures, uh, as you said. And um, I guess uh, a final thought maybe that I'd like to leave with our listeners is is that uh, of that 30,000 signatures, if even 3,000 or 4,000 or 5,000 of those signatures are pro-life people who signed it just because they were um, unaware of what the uh, amendment actually does, then that that would be tragic, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so, so th- that's why we absolutely have to uh, to start educating people about this, if if for no other reason, just to try to dissuade as many people as possible from signing it. Um, you know, out of some sense of confusion that it's a measure about privacy or stopping government from interfering in women's personal decisions. You know, there's going to be all sorts of euphemisms that are used to describe this. And and if we can educate people about what it's it's uh, really going to do. Um, then I think we uh, have a chance of making that signature gathering effort uh, difficult. So, yeah. And by the way, that is one of their go-to points. Uh, they will routinely say, these circulators will routinely say, hey, this isn't you supporting it. Yeah. This is just putting it on the ballot so that the people can vote. Yeah. You know? yeah. But the reality is that's you helping them take that next step to putting this into our state constitution. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we don't want to do that. Absolutely. Well, the, uh, in, in addition to the Life Defense Fund, the South Dakota Catholic Conference is going to be monitoring this issue. We're uh, shortly within the next uh, couple of weeks, I expect, uh, we'll be putting out uh, an analysis document um, that can be used to help uh, educate people. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, if you want to receive updates, uh, not only on this abortion amendment, but on other crucial issues that the Catholic Conference is tracking in the legislature and in public policy, please visit our website. It is sdcatholicconference.org. And if you look at the top menu bar, there's a little uh, place where it says uh, sign up. Uh, Please, if you're not already on it, sign up so you can receive updates uh, on this crucial issue. Um, that is all the time we have today. Uh, John Hansen, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thank you. It's great being with you. And until next time, live well. Live well.